Welcome to another episode of What They Aren't Telling You. I am Melissa Floyd, and I've been really interested in several different areas of health recently, most specifically things that I've been told to investigate for myself or things that have led me to another discussion about something that can improve immunity, overall health, reduce toxicity, increase cellular health in general, and help contribute to just a better state of well-being. So every time I come across something new that I'm researching, I'm like, okay, well, I want to share this with you guys too, just so that you can have the information as well. Because even though I've been in holistic medicine and the natural health world for 25 years now, It was shocking to me last year when I started dealing with my chronic health issue. It was really shocking to me how I was being exposed to things I had never heard about. So first of all, when I was told it was, you know, a vestibular issue, which vestibular imbalances or hypofunction were part of my symptoms for sure. But when I heard about that vestibular neuritis, vestibular migraines, I had never heard anything about this. It was like learning a new language and, you know, delving into that. And then when even with PT and trying different supplements and medications and seeing all the different doctors and neurologists and ENTs and all the alternative practitioners as well, it really wasn't improving. Then I was looking into neuroplasticity in the brain and reading books on stuff like that. And then I was led down the path of nervous system regulation. Why was this never something I was told? Nervous system regulation is not a new concept, but for some reason, it's very niche in the natural world. And yet, it is responsible, I believe, for all of the chronic health issues that we see with someone. So, When I talk about my symptoms, you could be listening to me and going, oh, well, I don't have dizziness or I didn't have that. So therefore I have a different problem altogether, right? But the way that nervous system dysregulation works is that your symptoms are going to be different because it tends to target areas where you have weakness. This can also be true when you have crazy immune attacks on the body talked about some post-viral illness, those types of things can also tip the body. So a lot of times when people say, you know, what really happened? You know, did you ever find out what caused your issue? And, you know, to be completely transparent, I'm still dealing with it. It's not like I'm so back to normal and I healed all this. I'm a lot better in so many ways, mostly because I have learned to accept a certain level of symptomology and sensations in my body without feeling the need to send danger signals to my brain. And that was a really big turning point for me because when you can exist, when you can exist with the uncomfortable sensations, with the uncomfortable feelings in your body that could be mysterious, unknown, scary, all of that, When you can exist with them 
and you're not freaking out about it, then you are not solidifying a neural pathway to the brain that teaches it to warn you with additional symptoms every time those original symptoms happen. So unknowingly, I was cementing neural patterns and pathways in my brain that every time I felt a certain sensation or a certain way, that I was in danger. And what I've learned about nervous system health and nervous system regulation is it's all about safety. It's all about feeling safe in the body. And whether or not you actually think you are safe in that moment, finding ways to sort of reconnect to the body and tell the body you are safe is what is important. Because as anyone who has ever had a panic attack or deals with anxiety knows, the second your mind comes into the circumstance and decides, oh my God, I'm screwed. Something's going wrong. What if this happens? You know, that warning system gets uh, engaged. Anyone who has dealt with that on a regular basis, because really I feel like a big portion of the population deals with anxiety and or panic attacks on a sliding scale. You might not ever have had a panic attack so bad that you went to the hospital thinking you were dying. You may have kind of milder panic attacks, but you know that there is a level of danger that you're signaling to the body in those moments. And to be fair, and in in your defense and in my defense prior, it's not like it was intentional, right? We sometimes get these warning signals completely from a subconscious place that get activated by something currently trigger this old programming where we did feel we were in danger at some prior time. And then it creates symptoms as if we're in danger now. And it's really hard to decipher in the moment when that happens, because once that stress physiology gets turned on, you are just in panic mode. And a lot of people can really make it look pretty easy. Meaning for a lot of people, chronic anxiety and panic attacks can look like you're totally fine to the outside world because you've become so good at it, so good at managing it, that you can hide it really well. Now, the danger in that is that it can become more chronic that way because you sort of just assimilate that routine into your daily life. And I think that what I didn't understand about the anxiety I had really been dealing with since I would say about seven or eight is when I first remember it. But I was so high functioning, it didn't debilitate me completely. It didn't ever stop me from getting out the door. It didn't ever keep me from achieving things and excelling in life. So I had convinced myself it really wasn't a problem. And when you're extremely high functioning, you tend to continue taking a lot on your plate because you've always handled it so well. Then you get used to a sort of chronic low-level state of anxiety all the time. But it's so normalized to you, you don't see it as a problem. 
And this is exactly why it is a problem. You also, as someone who's very high functioning, will not ask for help from somebody else or admit you might need some support on this. Because again, we've always had this. We've always dealt with this. This is just part of who we are, right? And sometime last year, my health stuff started in May. You know, I spent many months trying to figure it all out. And then I'd say about three months in, four months in, I wasn't getting better. I wasn't getting answers. I felt a new level of anxiety and stress about trying to solve the reason my body was like this. I knew nothing about nervous system regulation at this time. And somewhere in there, my anxiety really came to the surface. Like it was always manageable. I never took anything for it, but it became unmanageable. So it was no longer when I was just really frustrated and overwhelmed and had a lot on my plate or circumstantial, like I had a big singing performance and I was, you know, the days leading up to that. It was no longer circumstantial. This was a all day and through the night kind of thing every single day. And after a couple months of that being the case, that's when the insomnia started. So when I look back, I can kind of see my body was, it tipped over. And as other doctors might you know, say, when discussing things related to toxicity and the burden on the body, they'll say, you know, your bucket basically overfills. You spill, it spills out because there's just no more you can take in at that point. And everybody's different. And there's not always going to be a definable moment when yours tipped over, but many times it can be very strong and out of nowhere and uh, something big that shows you that your body's tipped over. When that happened back in May, I really thought I was just going to figure it out, right? I just need to see the right person. I just need to take the right supplement. Um, I just need to find the solution and fix it. So I felt pretty confident. You know, many of you guys had commented on my post, giving me suggestions. I was going down every single pathway trying to see if this was the thing. I've always been an investigator and an analyst. So it's, for me, it's just another project that I have to triumph over. And I've always been extremely confident in my ability to do that. And, you know, learning new information was overwhelming considering the state of my physical body at that time. But I had no doubts that I would get to a solution until, you know, three or four months had gone by and there still was not a solution. And that is a really long time for me, uh, especially when I was really putting an effort trying to solve this every single day. Like this was a full-time job for me at this point. I could no longer work. My symptoms were so bad that I had to take time off of work. And I devoted my life to solving my problem. But it wasn't working. And once I realized it wasn't working, it threw me into a tailspin. So at that point, I started to just you know, I was losing faith in my ability to solve this. I was losing my, I was losing my faith in the fact that this would ever be solved. I started to feel signs of depression coming in and I noticed my anxiety really started ramping up because remember, this has never happened to me before. Well, first of all, I've never had a physical issue like that take over me and, and stop me from anything. And this full on brought my life to a complete halt. 
So not only was I dealing with something that really scared me, that was mysterious and nobody could seem to figure out, but also I couldn't seem to figure it out and get the answers. And that had never happened before either. So I was dealing with so much flailing in many ways of, of, you know, mental flailing of just like, I'm lost, completely lost. And so it makes sense, you know, looking back, it's easy to see these patterns, but at the time I didn't really see this, but then looking back, I see that's where the anxiety came to a head. And now again, I have dealt with anxiety for decades. I have been a professional singer since I was 13 years old. So performing and feeling that kind of performance anxiety, I was used to that. Granted, anxiety existed for me in other ways too. Looking back, I had a lot of anxiety and hypervigilance surrounding people's reactions and responses to me. If somebody was mad at me, if I did something wrong, you know, that kind of thing. So my brain was sort of wired early on to be looking for problems and danger. And the irony is that actually is one of the things that has made me really good at any job that I've done because I tend to see the things most people miss. That's probably why you found your way to this podcast is you ended up following me at some point uh, related to the vaccine situation, related to COVID, because I can find things and details and specifics that a lot of people don't see or don't think about or can't analyze. That's always been something I've been able to do in my many careers thus far in my life. And it has served me really well. It makes me a perfectionist. It makes me the kind of person who dots my I's and crosses my T's and can present things in a way that don't miss parts that most people miss. And it's worked to my advantage in so many ways. But when I did start learning about nervous system regulation, I understood this is really a trauma response from my childhood. And I want to do an episode about the debate around trauma because a lot of people go, well, I didn't have any trauma. And I've said this before. It's, It's not like the big events. It's not always the big events. It's those two. But if you don't have the big events, that doesn't mean you haven't experienced trauma. In fact, A lot of the little events over time can lead to that same level, sometimes even more trauma programming in our body because we were exposed to the same thing over and over and over. And even if it was milder, it could still have been a type of neglect or pain or hurt or whatever. So my hypervigilance was born out of wounding. It was a need to be hypervigilant to see how people were going to receive me. And I won't go into specifics, but coming from early years, and I think many of us have actually dealt with this. And from that point, I just learned to establish skills and talents and achievements based on my ability to be that level of perfectionist. Well, fast forward... Decades of living in a hypervigilant state requires a lot of energy and it's exhausting. But I didn't realize all this because I was so used to that chronic level of activation within my nervous system. That was the only way I knew how to be, actually. 
So that low level of anxiety kind of humming under the surface was just part of who I was. And a lot of times we identify with that. I have anxiety. And once my anxiety really tipped over, so three months into my health issue, I started to understand like this is unmanageable now. And I started following a bunch of accounts. A couple of them I want to interview here um, on this podcast for you to give you tips from professionals who deal with anxiety all the time. But I started following a bunch of people and wanted to delve into conquering this anxiety because it got to a point where I said to myself, okay, maybe this whole health thing happened so that this anxiety can come to the surface so I can really heal this because this is no way to live. And I started to kind of investigate myself a little more and pay attention to the fact that that chronic anxiety had been there and continues to be there. And then instead of myself identifying with it, they would suggest you just acknowledge it's a feeling, a transitory feeling. I feel anxious, not I have anxiety. Because when we identify with it, we are telling the body that that state of activation is who we are. That becomes another neural pattern and pathway that gets wired into the brain. And so it goes, oh, this is how we're supposed to respond then all the time. Like, this is what's normal. This is what's comfortable. And my anxiety was coupled with depression at that point, which is not something I've ever really dealt with. Maybe very few, like, brief moments in my life have I ever felt a level of sadness like that or a level of despair, but... Nothing was like the volume of it that I was having at this point. And it was really bothering me because I consider myself a very spiritual person. I've been into spirituality for most of my life, but specifically in a very conscious way for the last 22 years. And in that process, There's a lot about gratitude and your thoughts control your reality and the law of attraction and what it is that you are bringing into your experience and what are you creating in your life and taking accountability for how you think and how you feel. Now, later, I found out that there is also a concept, which I'd like to do a separate topic on, on, about spiritual bypassing and how there can be risk to always going oh, I shouldn't be feeling anxious. I should be grateful. I shouldn't be feeling depressed. I should be lucky. I'm so blessed. I just need to think positive thoughts. When we go down that route, while those are all wonderful intentions, and it is a wonderful place to be when you can fully really be there from a place of authenticity. Because when you are forcing yourself to think positive, you're forcing yourself to ignore how you're feeling in this moment because it's not acceptable or desirable or it's not what church has told you you should feel. What you do in those moments is you invalidate yourself and those emotions that are there and they are real for now. Now, do you want to sit in those emotions and stay there? Of course not. But just like I lived with this chronic level of anxiety that I just tried to always rationalize myself out of, like, I shouldn't think this way, I don't need to be nervous because I'm blah, blah, blah. Like, I would just talk in my head to get myself out of feeling the feelings of anxiety. And I did that hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times. 
So many instances, you know, where I was sitting somewhere either about to perform or give a speech or do something where I could feel all those feelings and I'm talking myself out of them all the time. So I thought, I wasn't really talking myself out of them. I was just trying to distract myself. And in the end, that voice got too loud to ignore. But if I'm telling myself I shouldn't feel this way, then I'm not really acknowledging the fact that, but I do. But I do feel this way right now in this moment because of this circumstance. And it's okay that I feel that way. It is to be expected that I would feel that way. You're dealing with a health issue that's mysterious and you've got crazy symptoms in your body happening and nobody seems to know what's going on and you haven't been able to find an answer. And it's been months of this and it brought your whole entire life to a halt. Yeah, that's terrifying. I can get why you would feel anxious and nervous and uncomfortable. And when you can't find a solution and it doesn't seem like anything's going to work, I can understand why you'd feel sad and feel a level of hopelessness and despair and feel depressed about it. Yeah, that makes sense. But when all this first happened, I hadn't tapped into that understanding yet. So I was trying to get myself out of anxiety, get myself out of depression, to put myself back on track, to think positive, to create the life I wanted, which was healing and a way out of this mess. When the insomnia started, things got really bad. The darkest months I've ever known. Like when I think of hopelessness, I was so far at rock bottom, really believing that there was never going to be a way out of this and I was going to die. It was so hard to come back from that. And it was a slow process to come from that place back to feeling any glimmer of hope, any little bit of weight, maybe I could, maybe I can get out of this. It took many months through the insomnia. I was eventually led to nervous system regulation and understanding what that even was. Now, at this point, I had already tried prescription medication for anxiety. Um, I had researched all of them, of course, to see which would be the best, the air quotes, the best one for me. I realized that if I am in a state of anxiety, my body can't calm down to allow myself to sleep. So I thought, well, if I can fix the anxiety, then my insomnia will get better. I tried Lexapro for three weeks. It was around the same time I was doing a biofeedback program. I was so desperate for this sleep issue to get resolved. It was so brutal. And again, I was anxious about it. I was anxious about it being there and it existing and me never getting out of it because it felt so awful and it felt so difficult and challenging to even exist in life. You know, you still have kids. They still need to be driven to school and picked up from school and you still have to go grocery shopping and you still have to clean the house and you still have to research all the new practitioners you're going to try to see if somebody can fix you. It's like, it's not like the world stops because your world stops. The world keeps going. And it was really hard for me to keep going when I wasn't getting sleep. It was so hard for the mood, the energy of my body. I was in a state of chronic fatigue at that point. 
my mood was just in a place where I had accepted it was never going to get better. And so slowly this idea of acceptance came into my consciousness, like somebody I was listening to or some book I was reading or whatever. It's like you started to understand that if you cannot accept what is in this moment and you continue to have resistance toward this circumstance, it's never going to move. The needle will never move because you're spending energy that you don't have fighting a reality that exists. Even though you don't want it to exist, and even though the fact that it's there is really causing struggle in your life, it is there. And I know in Buddhist teaching, they talk a lot about suffering being caused by our response to not accepting what is. Instead of being able to go with the flow of what is good and bad and not try to swim upstream, forcing another reality that isn't coming, at least not yet. So my first wave of acceptance really came from hitting rock bottom post-insomnia. It was like, this is so bad. I'm ne- it's never going to improve. I have no energy left. I feel hopeless. I'm probably going to die. So I don't care anymore. I don't need to keep trying to fix it. I don't need to find a solution anymore. And really, it was because part of me was like, because you're not going to find one. But either way, I stopped pushing so hard. And I would say this was not until probably January of this year. So, you know, that's eight months, eight months of this before I got there. I had my anxiety peak. I was trying medication. It didn't work for me because it didn't solve the insomnia and I wasn't willing to accept the additional downsides of taking a prescription medication if it wasn't going to get me out of this slump. So I stopped that. And then I just came to a place of acceptance going, if I can still get up every day, even if I'm tired, even if I'm exhausted, and even if I can hardly do anything, it's not killing me. I'm making it through that. And maybe I just have to adjust my life. Maybe I just need to not have expectations of contributing anymore to the world the way that I was. I can't make promises. I can't honor responsibilities. I just need to take everything off of my plate, except for my kids. And from that point, I will just do that. Because I looked back at the data, which was my life, my life's experience that year. And I, and I realized, you know, even though I felt like I was going to collapse so many times, even though I felt like I was going to lose consciousness, even though I felt like I wouldn't be able to get through the next day, or I'd have awful dizzy spells and, and episodes and flare-ups and things at a certain night and thinking, you know, it was just going to be worse in the morning, but it wasn't. And I had somehow been able to rebound each day enough to get to the next day. So that was my data. That was my proof that even though it feels like it's going in some direction, it actually didn't. 
And I thought, well, if I can get this far, if I can make it this many months, then maybe I can keep going. And somewhere around January, February, I'd say of this year, 2023, sleep became a little bit more regulated, which made me feel a sense of hope. I remember kind of feeling in February and March like things were getting better. And then I had some backward slides again the next couple of months. So then I was like, oh, see, this is what happens when you have expectations. It's not going to get better. But then it got better again. And then I would have downslides and then it would get better again. So every time I had periods that were really bad or really challenging or several days of bad symptoms, I just reminded myself, I've been here before. It never lasted forever. Now, yes, I had that teeny voice inside me going, but what if it does this time? But what if this time it gets worse? And that voice belongs to my anxiety. That is the part of me that has dealt with chronic low-level anxiety my whole life or almost my whole life that always wants to plan for the worst case scenario. And it can be really frustrating because my mind always goes there. And with it, with my mind going there comes the feelings, right? The drop in your stomach, the discomfort in your belly, the, oh my God, what if this actually happens? What if, you know, it, it, it's like you're playing it out. Even if it's brief, you feel it. But around the same time, acceptance became a theme for me. I was also introduced to this idea of feeling these emotions and allowing them to be there and not trying to fight them and push them away. Same, same concept. Don't resist the anxiety, just like you don't resist the fact that this is happening in your life right now. Now, again, it doesn't mean you're just accepting it like, yay, here I am. But what you are doing is saying, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And I don't have to label it as good or bad. It just exists. But I also don't have to spend all of my limited energy pissed off, frustrated, angry, sad, and all the emotions that come with wishing it wasn't my reality right now, which is what so many of us do kind of all the time when you think about it. You get mad at a friend or something like, why are they like this? Why did they do this? They shouldn't have done this. Get mad at your spouse, get mad at life circumstances, other people, situations. It's like all day long, we're like our kids, kids are a great example because I'm constantly thinking like, they should have done this, you know, like I do, it's hard because they're their own individual person. And so they're going to do things the way that they do them as all the parents out there know. But in my mind, I want them to do exactly what I want them to do because that would make everything go just much more easily. <laughs> and that resistance to who somebody actually is, I wish they were different. Yeah, but they're not. <laughs> that resistance to our life experiences, I wish this wouldn't have happened today. Why did my why did I get a flat tire on the way to work? Um, you know, why did this unexpected bill come? You know, all the things that happen, we resist them all the time. And what we're doing is putting so much energy into fighting against the reality that is and labeling the reality that is as bad and wrong. And I just think overall, that tends to be a losing scenario because I can't go back and make my tire not be flat. It already happened. 
and it is an inconvenience and it does make you late to work and it does cost you extra money to get it replaced and it did make you reschedule an appointment and all the lists that comes down. But if I am irritated about this happening to me, feeling like this shouldn't have happened to me, why me? All day long and all the things that it affected, I'm stewing in it. And the thing is, is we can have a smile on our face or we can laugh it off or use humor or whatever. But in reality, the way that we're feeling that discomfort is in the body. And the way that we feel that oftentimes is a level of nervous system activation. It puts us in that fight or flight. But we don't realize we're doing it and we do this day in, day out, day in, day out. So it's no wonder when you're 43 that all of a sudden your body goes cannot do it anymore. Malfunction. Like, right? Like that's what happened to me. And it's what's happening to so many people. It's not about the symptoms. It's not about what led you there. It's the same concept. The body was overwhelmed. The body tipped over. How do you get out of it? Well, you're not going to get out of it by living with those same patterns that got you there. And I will tell you, you don't get out of it quickly, which is an uncomfortable truth because you've spent decades programming your brain for all these danger signals that now you have to reprogram to say, it's okay that I feel dizzy. It's okay that I'm a little off today. It's okay that my eyes are tripping, you know, as I'm looking at things, they don't feel like they're tracking the way that they should. It, it's I'm acknowledging it and I'm like, okay. Again, it's not good or bad. It's not, doesn't have to be scary and freak me out. It doesn't have to mean something bad is happening. Instead, it just is. Now, that doesn't work all the time with me because sometimes new symptoms will pop up where you're like, oh no, now this is a sign of something bad. Those are the times where I go, see, I knew it. There was something there and they just missed it in all the tests and... This is proof. And that's a really dangerous mindset because if you do believe in a level of frequency with your thoughts and what you can experience or attract into your world, then you will notice that consistent thinking like that for a really long time where you're like, I know there's something wrong with me. And it's almost like you're wanting somebody to give you a label so you can go, see, I knew it. Well, there is a good chance of actually bringing that into your reality, which I don't want. I actually don't want to be right that there is some rare genetic condition that I have and nobody's been able to pinpoint it, but now somebody did. I don't actually want, I don't want to have a thing. I don't want my body to have any condition or label or disease or imbalance. Really, I would really like to go back to feeling really good. I want to be healthy the way I always felt I was healthy. I mean, turns out in many ways I was chronically stressed, but thank goodness for good genes, I guess, because I was able to manage it for a really long time. And I was high functioning for a very long time. But I'm still dealing with it. And some days are better than others. Some days I feel really hopeful. Some days I feel really good, want to plan the future. Some days not feeling so good and really can't think past the present moment. And I get sad sometimes about why it's still happening. And sometimes you do feel a level of dejection after feeling hopeful. 
And that comes back to having expectations, right? And being disappointed. But because of what I've learned in this last year, I'm also aware that I can be with all of those emotions as they come. Oh, today I'm feeling really sad and disappointed. That's where I'm at today. And of course I would feel that way. Anyone would feel that way if they were in my circumstance. It's normal to feel like that. It's scary to not know what's going on and to not feel good. And it, and it makes us sad that we don't get to experience life that day the way that we really wanted to. We don't get to show up for people, show up for ourselves. We don't get to like take on the world. And I've been so used to being able to just wake up, hop out of bed and just be full of energy and just go, go, go until nighttime. Never had any sleep issues and I would wake up and do it all over again. But I didn't realize I was sort of running on fumes. And I'm continuing to look into all the different ways in which we can really investigate and help the body perform at its best, not because I want it to for the things I want to do, but because I want it to be in a state it was designed to be in. It is a self-healing machine. A very complicated and wondrous, intelligent system. But we are really overwhelmed in today's world, the way that we're living. And I'd say the majority of people are in a situation like mine or will be in a situation like mine. Again, not with the same symptoms maybe, but the same idea. So I love looking into different ways that we can improve ourselves, whether it's mental, physical, or emotional. And as I research and look into these things, then I'm also wanting to share them. And this isn't where I was intending to go with this podcast, but this is where it went. And it's good to share some of these things too. A lot of times people ask me like, how, you know, what's going on with your situation? What's happening with your health? Like, have you figured it out, you know? And it's been such a lesson in realizing not only are you not going to be able to figure it out many times or sometimes, but you don't need to also. And that's been a huge lesson for me as an investigator. So while I don't need to figure out my specific situation, it's leading me down interesting roads lately that I think have a lot of value for how we can just lighten the burden on the body. And I hope to do some more uh, stuff on nervous system regulation, maybe interview somebody who deals with that specifically also, because I really think that was a turning point for me. And again, there are many things, they all come together, right? Understanding about the feelings, understanding about what to do with anxiety, understanding what nervous system regulation looks like, understanding the immune system and how that can tip over the nervous system and create the symptoms and how it can target these areas where you already have weakness. So like I always had motion sickness as a kid, right? Well, maybe that makes sense why it showed up as a vestibular thing for me. Just learning more about the body, even though I've been in this field for so long, it's just the amount of things I've learned in the last 18 months have really gone to just a different place. And I haven't shared all of it. I don't post about it all. I don't talk about it all. But I hope to because it has led me out of complete darkness. And again, it's not because all of a sudden I got better and found something. I didn't. It's because I learned how to, on some level anyway, 
calm the body first. I learned a level of acceptance. I learned about giving myself compassion and having valid emotional experiences. And then I learned about the ways you can build the body back up once it has come to a place of a little more peace. Now that also means some very big lifestyle changes, right? So many things about my life have changed, the way I do life. I'm a lot more connected to the rhythms of life, light and dark cycles and nature and appreciating simple routine things. I've had to change people in my life. I've had to change careers. I've had to change how I spend my limited free time. I've had to change the belief systems I had about myself that led me here because I don't want to experience what I did again. And I want to be able to find something new that will feel safe for me. And what I mean by something, I mean a way of life. It's shocking to me to think it's been so long. I mean, it's been a year and a half. Like I wanted out of this the first week. And I hated the fact that it took this long to feel even a little bit better. I kept, you know, telling myself, oh, I feel better on certain days as if I'm out of it now. And it was all false, false excitement because I just wanted it so desperately. I wanted to heal so badly. And in the end, it takes a lot longer than you think. And it will still take me time hopefully to get to a point where I'm out of it and I can actually say, I'm fully out of this experience. I do think I've learned a ton. I hope some of the things that I have learned and communicated over this time have helped other people. I really like this new series of debates that I'm trying to do, the debate around melatonin, for example. That was the the last series of episodes and there are a couple more Uh, on that chapter before I close that and move to some other things. There is nothing more important than bringing safety to the body. I truly believe that is really the only thing we should be focusing on for health, which you can't really do life without feeling healthy. You can't do it the way we're designed to do it, which means you're getting by instead of really being able to give and contribute and create, which is what I think we're designed to do. So I'll end this one there, kind of an impromptu, but hopefully insightful episode. And thanks for listening as always. And thanks for joining me on what they aren't telling you.